First reading is from the letter to the Ephesians, the Christians in Ephesus, chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. You'll find it on page 1174. <clears throat> for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given to me through the working of his power. Although I am the less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was now that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And on page 1052 in the Church Bibles, Luke 18, beginning at verse 9. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterators, sorry, um, adulterers or even like this tax collector I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get but the tax collector stood at a distance he wouldn't even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said God have mercy on me a sinner I tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before God for everyone who humbles himself will everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Good. Microphone on this time. That's a good start. So then we're going to take control of the slides. The mission and the message. That's what we're talking about this morning. This passage from Ephesians that at first looks as though it's all about St. Paul. He tells them lots of stuff about himself 
it starts with, I, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus for you Gentiles. That's how this passage starts. It's going to be all about Paul, this crazy church planter who manages to spread the good news of the gospel all across that side of the Roman Empire before he gets taken on to further glory. We think it might be all about him, but the more I look about at it, at this passage, it seems to be all about God's grace. And I wonder where to start this morning, and I thought the best place to start might be here. So, I've got a rugby ball, and what I want to say this morning, Mike can stand up, Chris can stand up, Adam can stand up, anybody else want to play a bit of rugby with me? Uh, Yep, okay, Nicola, are you going to play? Okay, good, okay. So the point of rugby is that when you get the ball, you need to pass it. Okay, if you don't pass it, if you keep it, if it stays in one place, you get flattened by a 16 stone all black who is running very fast and hurts you a lot. So if you hold on to it, you get nowhere. But if you pass it and it goes somewhere, then you end up going all the way down the pitch and you get all sorts of places, all sorts of places, and all sorts of people get involved. And that's how you win at a rugby game. Brilliant, ex- brilliant. Nobody dropped the ball. I think they deserve a round of applause. Fantastic. <laughs> With a rugby ball, you have to pass it to win the game. That's how England did so well yesterday. They were passing it out the back of their hand as they were running towards these enormous, great all blacks. And they managed to get round them and beat them. Sometimes they had to go backwards, sometimes they had to put it into space. But they managed to keep passing the ball. And because they kept passing the ball, they won the game. We have been given a gift of grace. We've been given a message from God. And if we hold on to it, if we cuddle it and turn it into a a nice, safe thing that makes us a nice, cosy, comfortable club, We're not going to get anywhere. We need to pass this message on. We need to keep passing it on. And that's what Paul's talking about in this passage. We need to be the people who pass on the message that God has given to us. So, remember in the first two chapters of this wonderful letter that Paul has written to to the church in Ephesus, that we've learned this. We are chosen and cherished. We are part of a new family with hope and riches and power. We are saved by grace through faith to do good works and that the barriers between us have been broken down as God creates a new humanity in Jesus. That's all packed into the first two chapters of this letter to the Ephesians. That is amazing, incredible and awesome. But wait, Paul starts this third chapter and he writes, For this reason... I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. He's in prison. How does that work? It looks, about, it looks like he's about to go on and say something else. I don't know if you noticed, but there's sort of a gap. He says, surely you've heard. He stops. It's thought that Paul dictated his letters to a secretary who wrote them down. So he's sort of talking to this secretary and he's telling him where he wants to go. And at this point, he stopped because it's sort of realized that this doesn't quite make sense. And he needs to explain something a bit further. God's given out all of this goodness, but for Paul, he's ended up in a damp, 
dingy dungeon in a Roman jail awaiting possible execution. Now that sounds like a bit of a puzzle. Paul realizes this mid-sentence and he stops. He says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, on behalf of you Gentiles, and he stops and he thinks and he decides that he's got to explain it because he is in prison. Well, how does that work? Now, I've been to prison. You'll be pleased to know I was there on a placement with a prison chaplain. I didn't get sent for anything I did, naughty, although, no, no, we won't go there. So, um, I've been to this prison, and it, prisons are an awful place. Prisons are just utterly awful. All you can hear are the clanging of doors and the locking of keys, the locks clanging shut as people move from one part of the building to the other. Nobody moves freely. Everybody is confined. The prisoners in Whitemore, they can only have plastic knives and forks. They're there for years. They can't be trusted with metal knives and forks. There was one man in the prison, and he was spending too much time in his cell. They said, you've got to mix more with people. So he went out of his cell and started to mix with people, and they said, look, you're mixing with the wrong people. What are you doing? And he said, well, who else is there to mix with? There's only the wrong people in prison. He couldn't win. You can't win in prison. You're always being watched. You're always under control. You have, it seems, no freedom. It is awful. No one wants to be in a cell. Yet this doesn't bother Paul at all. While it doesn't bother him, he sees that it could worry his flock. So he gets to this point in the letter and he realises he has to explain why he's ended up in prison. It's not a great career path, is it? I'm not sure I would sign up if they said, come and be associate vicar at St. Jude's and end up in prison for the rest of your life. I don't think I'd, don't think I'd sign up for that, to be honest. It's a tough call, isn't it? But Paul wants those who hear his message to be reassured, to realise that even this, where he's ended up, is part of God's grace. So he does it in two ways. First, he says, this is a puzzling turn of events, I agree, but it's nothing compared to a much bigger puzzle that's been solved through what God has done in and around and through me. And in this, we need to understand this word. This is the Greek word, mysterion. I almost said mysteron, but they were from Captain Scarlet, for those who remember that far back. Mysterion is the Greek word, and obviously it's where we get our word mystery. So when they translate mysterion in Greek into our Bibles, they're going to change that word into mystery, aren't they? But what it meant for the Greeks was not so much a mystery in a dark, mysterious, unsolvable thing that we might think of as a mystery. It was more like a puzzle or a problem. For them, it was more, much more like a puzzle that could get solved. A mystery wasn't as big a thing as it is for us, for them. And the answer this mystery, the answer that had been sort of made clear to Paul was the mystery to this problem. That God had promised that he would make the Jewish people a light for the Gentiles so that his salvation could reach to the end of the earth. 
But how was that going to happen? How was that ever going to happen? It looked as though God was working through his people and his people were perhaps being supported and they went into exile and then they came home to the promised land. There was lots going on with God's people, but how was God's light going to reach out so that his salvation would reach to all nations? How could one Messiah bring hope to all the world? How would that happen? But we know that Paul realises that Jesus was crucified and died for the sins of us all. That Jesus was raised to new life in a way that all could follow. That his spirit was poured out upon those Gentiles so that all could experience God's love and mercy and grace through Jesus. So Paul said, saying, it may be a bit of a puzzle that I'm in prison, but look at this mystery that God has solved and in solving this mystery, me being in prison is a tiny part of what he's doing. God has revealed how the light of God could reach out to everyone through Jesus to Paul. And Paul gets this message and then he's made a servant of this gospel, this good news, this message. He's become a servant of this message. He's been given this message and then he's told to pass it on. He goes from place to place. He moves all across this part of the Roman Empire. And he makes clear what was previously hidden. How were the Jews going to bring light to all people? Paul says it's here in Jesus. Come and see what Jesus has done. Come and find these boundless riches that are ours in Jesus. We all have access to God through faith in Jesus. All of this is a gift of grace. There are no regulations or rules to follow. It's all about what Jesus has done for us, not what we do for God. So it makes no difference to Paul that he's locked up, that there are bars on the window and bolts on the door, because there's a deeper reality, that he has been set free. He has been set free from trying to keep all the rules and the regulations. He's been set free so that he has access to God, even in a prison cell. So he's saying, don't be discouraged because of my sufferings, for all these things come to pass so that you may know God's glory. It's no big deal for Paul that he's locked up. He knows that he's unlocked one of the greatest puzzles that humanity's ever faced. That gift has been revealed to him by grace, that knowledge to unlock this puzzle. And the thing that we need to see is that this gospel that he's a servant of is good news. It was once hidden, but now it's out of the bag and it could never be hidden again. If Jesus did die for the sins of the whole world, then that sacrifice was made once for all. Then we all have been set free from sin and death. And we have this free gift of eternal life in Jesus. That is good news. That is good news, isn't it? It is. So how are we going to pass it on? Isn't it good to pass on good news? We like passing on good news, don't we? Wouldn't we want to be a church where people can come and find some good news? So how are we going to do that? Well, we need to remember the rugby ball, that it's not for us to hold on to this good news. It's for us to pass on, to make sure that it goes as far as it can, to make sure that it makes a difference. 
That's how it worked out for Paul. That he passed it on and it did make a difference. It made a difference in so many people's lives, in so many places, so many churches were set up because of Paul's passion for the gospel. I want to encourage you about passing on this gift that we've been given. I want to encourage you, first, firstly by saying, I want to encourage you that St. Margaret's have two Alpha courses going on at the moment, one in the daytime on a Friday and one in the evening on a Thursday, and they have 21 people all together on those courses. And we need to be proud of that because we have passed on some of the St. Jude's DNA to those people in St. Margaret's that's allowed them to pass on that good news to all those people who are all part of that Alpha course. But we can't leave it all to them. We wouldn't want to, would we? So we have got, coming up after Christmas, a Christianity Explore course that Adam's going to run. And now is the time to start thinking about who you might invite to carol service or who you might think of asking to come along to a Christianity Explored evening. Come and find out what it's about. Come and find some of this good news. Just ask people. You never know what they're going to say. You never know what might happen. And then next Easter, just before Easter next year, there's a big event called Just One that's happening in the Guild Hall on April the 4th and the 5th over a weekend. The evangelist J. John is coming to speak and the churches together all across Portsmouth and all across this area are trying to get 1,600 Christians to bring just one person, so 1,600 non-Christians to come and hear the gospel as J. John speaks about it. And if we did that, if we brought all those people, who knows how many will come to know Jesus. We can get involved as a church. We can get involved by being stewards. We can get involved by praying for those people who make a response. All that's coming up. But we've got this ball that we need to pass on. And the thing is that sometimes you will never know the impact that you have. I want to read you something that came into the office uh, on the 28th of September. It's probably too small for anyone to see, but I've got it here. I just want to show you that it is a real email that came into the office at 8.13 on the 28th of September. Hello there, Neil, smiley face. I, very, I feel very much led by the Lord to send you these words of encouragement. I am now a follower of Christ about seven years or so. Amazing. I love him with all my soul and he is everything to me. I'd like you to know that you had a part to play in that as you were the only person in 40 years to have witnessed to me, although I didn't realize it at the time. Sorry and thank you. I am very grateful for that. It makes me more determined to spread the gospel. This is from somebody who I knew 30 years ago as a vet nurse when I was a vet. Um, she says, I love street ministry in particular. It's wonderful to be a worker in God's kingdom. I must apologize for my behavior 30 years ago. I don't remember a thing about what she did. Where I may have offended you. Again, sorry. Isn't our God awesome? Again, thank you for your faithfulness to the Father. May you continue to be blessed in your walk with the Lord. Lorraine Doughty, brackets, Roberts, vet nurse, worked in Hythe. 
But back then, I didn't have this collar, I didn't have any training, I was known as Mr. Grumpy by the receptionists in the vet's practice, okay? God could use even me, Mr. Grumpy, as a vet to speak to somebody about Jesus. And did you hear that bit? I was the only person in 40 years to witness to her. That's, that's, it's great, it's a great story, but that's not great, is it? We should be telling people about the good news of Jesus. If God can use me, then he can use you. That's what Paul is saying in this passage. He's saying that he was the least, less than the least of the apostles. He was the one who'd been coat monitor when the crowd stoned Stephen, the first Christian martyr to death. Paul had sought to round up the early church and do away with all this nonsense about a Messiah who'd risen from the dead. And yet now, now he's been set free to pass on some good news, this message of grace. So let's not leave it to others. Don't ever think that God can't use you to spread some good news. You know, in chapter 2 of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he says that we are God's workmanship made ready for the good works that God has prepared for us to walk in. That word workmanship is a Greek word, poema, and from it we get our word poem. Now, I don't know whether you like poetry. Sometimes poetry is hard to understand, isn't it? Sometimes people are hard to understand. But you've got to think about us all being a poem written by God that expresses something of God to this world around us. Isn't that a beautiful way to think about us and ourselves? God uses each one of us to say something to this world. We're all, we've all got this calling to share, to pass on the good news. God uses all sorts of people. He uses all ages and occupations. He uses people of all shapes and sizes. He uses people who mess up and upset people. He uses people who are grumpy. He uses people who are happy and filled with the Spirit. He uses all sorts of people to speak about himself to the world around us. We've been given this new freedom for a purpose. We were given this good news to pass it on. Think about that rugby ball as we get ready for the World Cup final next week. It's, a, it's like the message that we've got to pass on. We must pass on this message. We're all chosen by God to do this. So let's make sure we tell as many people as we can about the good news of Jesus, about all that he's done for us in our lives. Now, as always, after this service, if all of this is new to you and you haven't met Jesus in a personal way and you want to find out more, there are people in the prayer corner over at the back there and they would be very happy to talk to you and pray with you about meeting Jesus. But for all of us, it seems to me, this is a message for all of us this morning. So what I'd like is for everybody to stand. Could everybody stand at this point? Because we've all been given this task of passing on the good news. And it's not easy. There are significant challenges. There's another team out there that's playing against us, that wants to knock us over, that wants us to stop spreading good news, that wants all the news to be bad news. But we've got good news and we need to pass that on. 
So let's pause and then I'll say a prayer for God's Holy Spirit in helping us to do this. Heavenly Father, we pray each one of us that you would give us renewed courage and confidence to speak of all that you have done for us through Jesus. Help us to see the people that you want us to tell. Help us to make sure that we respond when openings appear. And help us, Lord, to pass on your good news. In the name of Jesus, amen.